Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's up, everyone? This is the Go Long Podcast. We're live at Hamburg Brewing Company in Western New York. Drinking a couple of Juice Box Boys. Jim, it's always good to see you, my friend. Man, it's great to be back. Juice Box Boys sounds like a, a group a podcast name almost. Yeah. you know, and, and, and it's become our beer of, well, Dusty Shefty. Dusty Shefty was in the house here a couple weeks ago. He liked the Juice Box. A reference to uh, Mike Dicka. And Will Ferrell kicking and screaming. Very underrated film. You know, when I was hanging out with Mike Dicker for Blood and Guts, I didn't bring up the Juice Box Boys. Should have told him they, your role in that movie led to a great beer here in Hamburg for our podcast. So and, and, and it just and it goes along with football and everything. So yes, good to be back. Um, we got the new menu. There's a new menu here. The new sandwich menu. Nashville hot chicken, coming in hot. Cuban. Cuban, and then a steak, new steak hoagie, correct? So everybody, get on into HBC. Every beer you could want, IPAs, wheats, sours, stouts. Said it, if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times on this podcast. Never a stout guy until I tried. I don't know how they do the it. The grinded series. I don't know how they do it weekly, monthly, new beers, but they all work. And also a major congratulations to our My good man. friend, Johnny Russo Jr. Who we, who we, he is on may, his honeymoon. We may, never, we may never see again. May or may not be in Fiji. And uh, Johnny, if you're listening, congrats. It was good knowing you. Congrats. You, He'll be back for the Bills season and for Michigan State. Yes, that's we know I'm, that. I'm convinced for that. opening day he'll be back. I don't know before that, though. Man, oh God, it just brings me back to the honeymoon. Wish we could have just stayed down in Barbados forever. That was glorious. So, Johnny, if, if we don't see you again, thank, thanks for the help here at HBC. There's took, a lot to talk about, Jim. You Wait, you took a honeymoon in Barbados? I yeah. need to hear about this. Yeah. Because when I was in college, and I used to talk about escaping from bookies that might be chasing me, I always, As thought, one does. I always thought Barbados would be a getaway where nobody could find me. Do you feel like that would have been a good place for me to escape bookies? It's down there. It is. It's down there. I yeah. might have had a chance. It's of like escaping. just above Venezuela. 
I could I could I could get a job at a bar. And, oh, no doubt about it. You could be a you know a fishing charter. It's so it's so. Um, I just, swam with the sea turtles. I just dated myself because you know nobody knows what bookies are anymore because you can just gamble <laughs> right. on your phone. But Picture there was a, a lone shark flipping a quarter to himself in a dark alley. <laughs> there was a time when there were some people chasing you for money, but no, we did we did the you know, the sandals where you just it was it was amazing. You pay one fee, it's a lot. You forget about it, and then it's all you can eat, all you can drink, and you don't even think twice. So. Yeah, we're already counting down the days to the uh, 10 year anniversary to get back down there. It was it was a lot of fun. Now, hopefully, I'm not there bartending. If you do see me in Barbados on your anniversary, that means I'm escaping. Some <laughs> I'm hiding from somebody. Come down with us. Why not? We'll do a we'll do a couple pods. Maybe that's my chance to get there. But uh, anyway, all I remember is there was a a bar a barbate bar. What would you call somebody from Barbados? I don't know. A barboden. I think of Barbados. I think of um, my go-to bartender. He, they had a rum, a rum chaser, and I had so many of them that he started calling it the rum, the rum sprinter. Sprinter. I like. Yeah, the rum and sprinter. he would just kind of keep pouring. No, the, the rum, rum sprinter is strong, yeah. strong. I think of Rihanna. That's right. I think yeah. of Barbados for some reason. That's right. Yeah, she's down there. Not even more powerful. Probably not. <laughs> anyway. All right. Work-life balance. Yeah, that, that's going to be the topic of today's <laughs> podcast. Um, there's a lot we could – you know what? We always say there's nothing happening this time of year. There's a, there's a lot to talk about. We have a column up that go along on, on Chase Claypool. and you know, We don't need to spend a whole hour on this. We wrote about it. But you know, I, I appreciate players being themselves, saying what they want to say. I had no problem with the receiver saying he's a top three guy that wants to what take on a court. Like, whatever. Like, Who cares? That's, there's that, no, that's there's, no, the there's no official, right? Nobody, nobody has a real official list. People on. treated it like Chase Claypool was literally in front of a room with a PowerPoint presentation up and his top 40 wide receivers with a laser pointer. You know, expl- No. He's doing a podcast with LaShawn McCoy and Brandon Marshall and Pac-Man Jones. And this is what this is what the best players do. They they try to manifest greatness I, into reality, and that's what he was doing. I got no problem with it. And you know why we need more Chase Claypools, Jim? Because Chase Claypool does not give a damn about the backlash. Usually, this stuff happens. A player says something, everybody freaks out, and then the player has to apologize. And then you have months upon months of cliches and BS. Chase is going to sit there and say no. No, that, that that's me. Deal with it. We talked about it last year for a feature. I feel like more players should just not just players in the NFL, more people in society should just stick by their opinions and what they say and refuse to apologize. Don't give in to the mobs because it doesn't accomplish anything. It doesn't. What There's, do you want him to do? Say he's the 39th best receiver in the NFL? Well, I can tell you this, you know, just you know, from being on the other side of it. I promise you we didn't have a top 10, 50, 20 list of every position player in the NFL in the draft rooms, whatever, NFL offices. Nobody's counting who is who. Yeah. If Chase, if he thinks he is, who cares? Who cares? Great. Good. That's To me, if I'm the Steelers, I'm happy that he feels he is. 100%. Who cares? You're happy about it. I think it's a sign of the times. Because the NFL has become this 24-7, 365, like, supply is not meeting like demand to. right now. Like, 
whether it's podcasts or websites or newspapers or TV networks, everybody that covers the game needs content. So if anybody says anything, it's going to be in a headline and any other nuance is completely lost. I mean, look at Mike Tomlin's podcast. And this is going to segue into what our topic Love for today. It. I mean, he, he he talks about Antonio Brown. That was incredible. And he did say, like, yeah, it ain't going to happen. They're not going to sign him. But he also went into great detail about why he loved Antonio Brown as, yes. a, as a worker, as a yes. player, as a fearless dude who went into harm's way in the return game as a receiver who poured his blood, sweat, and tears. You hear about that all the time when it comes to Antonio Brown. And that no, nobody shared that. Nobody cared about that. I'm not like, I'm the last person to sit here and stand for Antonio Brown and say he deserves to be in the NFL. Like obviously the guy has a few screws loose and there's some issues there. That's a lot of issues there, but let's, I mean, this is what drives me nuts about sports media and I'm a part of it. it just four or five words are taken completely out of context and sold because that's what's needed right now. People need to sell something. By God, we're not going to do it at go long. Like it's, we're going to try to tell the long form. You know, it's funny when I heard Tomlin talk about Antonio Brown because he was there and the respect he has for Antonio Brown because he saw it firsthand and he knows what he came from. That he didn't. I don't know how much he got into with his background in college, but Antonio Brown wasn't supposed to make it in life. Okay, in general, forget about that. People forget about that. But the way Tomlin talked about him, I respected so much because you just, hey, let's talk about him as a professional. He did it. I used to feel that way about Reggie Bush, where I felt like people were so hard. The expectations for Reggie were just too, they were just awful. There was nothing like that before Reggie Bush. So in our lifetime. So the expectations were too high, too high. Study what he did when, I, when in New Orleans. Study what he did in Detroit. Study what he did in Miami. Oh my God, what a great career. Like, get out, get off where he was drafted, get off of what you thought he was going to be. Detroit's last thousand yard back. We wouldn't have, honestly, look what he did against Arizona in that Super Bowl year. We won the Super Bowl. Look what he did every game plan. I promise you, every defensive coordinator was game planning on where he was on the field, what package he was involved in, because that's the type of weapon he was. Yes. Was he maybe he didn't put on the, the show that he did in the pack, you know, in college? Who does? Reggie Bush was my point was Reggie worked his ass off, was tough as hell, fought through injuries. So I guess what I'm saying is I get it, where some people just sometimes you just gotta take a step back and realize respect what they did. Respect. Totally. And if anybody uh caught clips or stories or tweets when it comes to that Mike Tomlin interview. Please take 35 minutes, 40 minutes. Actually, you know what? The Chase Claypool interview was about 35 minutes. Mike Tomlin's was about an hour. It's worth it. You know, pop it on if you're going for a run. There's probably very few very few coaches you could say that that that's worth a listen. It is. You said Shady was on that, McCoy? Oh, with the Chase Claypool. Oh, that was Claypool. I'm sorry. But Mike Tomlin was it, it was Shady I'm glad once again that's a great I would I, I need to listen to that more because I always tell you Shady was Shady in football are like incredible. He should be the lead. We gotta get him on the podcast. We're gonna try. We're gonna try. I mean you guys are Bishop McGee. We got the high school boys, connection. Right? Well time is right, he'll do it. I gotta talk to him a little. 
we gotta get a good topic too. Good topic for Shady to dive into. Actually, I'm a, I'm a, he loves or, Reggie Bush. Parties. I don't know anything about that. Now, gambling, he might talk about. Yeah, he might talk about gambling. Do you remember that though? Yeah, I mean, I'm so it, it, that that whole thing was I that know. that season should be a book. I'm so mad at myself for not just you were documenting you were everything. For, I was here, here I was working for. at the Buffalo News for Rex Ryan's first year. Coaching the Bills. I mean, there was something insane every day, Jim. I mean, LaShawn McCoy is at a podium saying that the party that he was advertising wasn't a weird orgy thing. I think that may or may not have been in the name of my fantasy football I just feel like I just feel like every morning, Doug Willie and I would drive to work. We usually drove <laughs> together because we lived close to each other, so we'd flip days. I feel like every day we would just get in the car and be like, <laughs> what do we got today? Did, did did Rex say anything? Who who did we miss on? Who messed up? Like it was just who. Meanwhile, we, you have a three way quarterback battle between battle, Matt Castle and Tyrod What are we talking? Yeah. Right. It, it was just like every day was something. But you know what's nuts is like you guys are the team that took the chance on Richie Incognito, and that was about like the fifteenth craziest thing that he happened. Wasn't training even, camp. Nobody cared because Richie just showed up and played and dominated like I know, he does. I know, it. You're, I know, I know. You can't oh, make man. this stuff up. You can't. Aaron Cromer, who's now the offensive line coach, is fighting kids over beach chairs. Like well, I was with the New Orleans, and, who's and, a you know by all accounts a great um, offensive line. I told coach. you this on the show before. <laughs> Doug Marone. Aaron Cromer, the Bills have been around great, great offensive line coaches. You know, Cromer, whether it was Cromer Richard Cagnito, Eric Wood, who we've had on, everybody says incredible things about Aaron Cromer. They really do. No doubt. I mean, there's Those a, offensive line, I mean, you've got to have a few screws loose if you're coaching offensive linemen, right? Like, you better you, be a little you're asking, You better be fighting a kid over a beach chair. I don't want an I mean, offensive line coach if you haven't beat up a 14-year-old, Jim. <laughs> I don't want to hire him. <laughs> I mean, I just <laughs> I need some red flags. So that's if you're your, coaching the offensive line. I just felt like that could be his time. Maybe to, not a felony, but I was you know, just thinking, I thought that, that was maybe his time of year where he could tone it down, but relax, and hey, some kids mess with my beach chair, big deal. But I've known that was wild. I've known Coach Cromer for a long time. Always, I, I mean, he's a great coach. I respect him as a talent evaluator in New Orleans. We, you know, we were with each other a lot on a Super Bowl together. So, I have nothing bad to say about Aaron Cromer. Um, but, he must be damn good at his job to get oh, these jobs. That's not even all. that's not yeah. up for debate. I mean, he is an unbelievable offensive line coach. This, this, I'm actually looking forward to seeing what the Bills do because hiring Aaron Cromer may help Josh Allen. Yes, because we all know the focus right now is on stopping Josh Allen. This may add a little bit to the run game. Um, I'm just consistency, consistency for the run game. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, you. no, no. I, I had to no, just Google search to see what uh, our our buddy Chris Furster has been up to. I mean, that's another one, right? Who who hired him now? He's the run game coordinator and the offensive line coach for your San Francisco 49ers. Guess who the OC is? Anthony Lynch. The OC and the assistant head coach. So first year, remember, he was uh, he resigned from the Miami Dolphins in 2017 after video surfaced of him snorting a white powder. I feel like that's a little worse than the beach chair. A little bit. Yeah, there was a, a relationship there with a uh, Vegas model. Very intimate details. But, yeah, I, 
I think I think I think the Bills can. Oh wait, is this going to be offensive line coach? Yeah, I think we just came up with a story idea. We got to get into offensive these line offensive coaches line are coaches. Whack. You've got you've got to have a little whack in this They team. are. You do. They are. It's, right. Here's why. They're a they're their own like society. Mm-hmm. Once you're labeled as a good one, you're going to work for life because they're hard to find. Because you have to find somebody that's willing to deal with really five to eight. You know, guys that want to, you know, they're office linemen yeah. are nuts, and you got to bring them together. And so you have to be nuts. And <laughs> I've learned that. I've seen it. Um, Pat Morris, who's a great office line coach we had here in Buffalo. Yes. Um, we see him at Hamburg Brewing every now and then. We did. We saw him here a couple weeks ago. Great office line coach. And he always, we always talk about Cyrus Quanjo when I see Pat Morris because Pat, Doug Marone were terrified of Quanjo. You know, we draft him. And they were terrified because not of the talent, because of just did he get it mentally? Did he was he ready to do this day in, day out? You know, could he handle everything? And you know, they were right. But that's what they're dealing with. They're not just dealing with um, you know, let's draft him plug and play. I mean, there's a lot that goes into getting an offense lineman ready to start for your team. Cyrus Quanja was just texting him a few months ago. He was down to come on the podcast, so we should definitely get him on. Cyrus and I are always, always been good friends. I mean, always good. Talk yeah. about what happened on the 400 here in Western New York, right? That's something. Happened. I can tell you, Cyrus had a nasty punch on that pass protection, but he had some other stuff. Yeah, but he did have a punch that length that you can't find that stuff. You know that that you look for. So you know, it's a violent game played by violent people, and. You- You've, I mean, this is definitely a theme in, in the book love coming out, but playing football, let alone the offensive line, this isn't working at an accounting for, firm or, you know, the pharmacy. I mean, you're, you're out on a practice field. You're beating the hell out of each other. You get into camp, training camp fights. You're fighting for your livelihoods. And then, you know, you're in, you're in a nice tub. Now we're on the team. Right there. You're watching film. And you're like, now we're on the, the same, same guy you were trying to beat up as your teammate. And you're fighting for the same thing. It's, it's a weird profession. So you do need an offensive line coach with a little shit to him. You know? A little something. It's funny you talk about that with the, the weird, like, the profession of it. And the, I remember in, in New Orleans, like, a pre-practice walkthrough, right? And you're everybody's just quarterbacks lobbing the ball right it's just hey look if we run this when i say a walkthrough pre-practice walkthrough literally half speed walkthrough and drew Brees would lob the ball and the one day breeze this was in the off season in june at an ota and breeze just lobs it darren sharper for some reason at the safety position just breaks on it and intercepted it who cares right nobody cares breeze cares Pissed him off. For some reason, it pissed Breeze off. And the rest of the practice, I'm telling you, Breeze carved him up. Really? Oh, he was pissed the rest of the – I remember he looked at, like, Sharper, like, why would you break on it like that? You know I'm just lobbing it. It's a walkthrough. Like, of course you could – but Sharper, I think, was just, like, trying to warm up a little bit. He just wanted to, like, do a little full-speed thing, pick it off. Breeze was pissed. Wow. So the, these guys have that, you know, yeah. some of these guys have that to them. So to your point. But anyway, oh, sorry. Man, a, sometimes you bring out stories. Sad, and I sad, forget depressing I, tale. Darren Sharper. I mean, as a player on the field, you just, everything you, just you wanted out of a free safety. But I think we had Roman Harper on way back on our podcast. And Roman will tell you, like, 
that one you just can't you can't explain can't figure out can't figure out let's talk about yeah. head coaches and not just head coaches but assistant coaches just the coaching profession yeah and work life balance awesome. love it so for those who didn't personnel catch too. it personnel too Scouting. personnel too all of it but it all goes together it all goes together but it all ties in to you hear stories about the coaches in the office at four but they sleep in the office that's where this story is going. I think, you know, I think everybody listening to this podcast too, Jim, can relate to an extent because we've, we all work in different lines of work, everybody. have different professions, and there, there's points where you can think, you know what, I'm going to wake up at 3.45 a.m., 4 a.m. after I was just, you know, up with my two-year-old daughter and I can operate on three and a half hours of sleep and get this stuff done and do a good job. But you can't. You're a different yeah, human being. You can't do it. You know, your, your, your internal systems aren't functioning. It, you know, it kind of hit me too talking to Chris Bergen, um, Northwestern linebacker, who may or may not be in your XFL. Yeah, talk about him. Maybe we bring him on the podcast. Uh, worked, out, tra- worked out for the Sh- Chicago Bears at their rookie camp. Didn't didn't pan out. He made a great point. And he reads all of the self help books you can think of. He's he's a maniac. He led the country in tackles last season. And he said, you know what, Tom Brady, best player ever. He goes, I guarantee you, he's sleeping eight hours a night, at least. Sleep is so important. Success and life. Like forget football, forget coaching. It's like almost you, you. You just need it. Your body needs it. That's a good. It's almost like when you can get to that point where you can sleep for the eight hours, it means you kind of figure out how you can do it, how you right. have figured out the balance. Right. I, I can sleep eight and still succeed. I don't have to sleep two hours at the office and be away from my kids to stop a whatever it is that is keeping you up at night. Well, I can't imagine. I would like to know this work-life balance coaching. What, and, let's go. To, I, I let's go. I don't want to be on a high horse either because no. I, I have not mastered Look, it myself. Listen, it's, listen. it's tough. I get don't, it. It's don't tough. think for a second. Don't think for a second before drafts months leading up to drafts. I could sleep. I couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about, is he too low on the board? Is he too high on the board? Hey man, our scouts were big on this guy. Why are, should we break the, yes. But totally. I mean, God, working on this book, Jim, with two kids. I mean, I, I remember there was a good period setting the alarm at three forty-five. Like you know, I can bang out some transcribing interviews but for it, a few hours. It catches up to you, though. I mean, and you're a, you're a zombie you're for a zombie. good stretch you're of that zombie. next day. And like, that's why after the draft, sometimes I honestly it was like I I needed to like almost just like fall down, like just for a couple of days, just. I just can't talk like, cause you really go through every scenario oh, in man. your head for months and months and months. Coaches do too. Week to week to week. And you get that look, right? You, you get the bloodshot eyes and we've all, your, your body all is weak. Your, your family is looking at you very concerned. And it's not just football and it's, it's, right, it's everybody. Every, everybody, everybody, everybody goes through it. Everybody. Whatever your profession yeah. is, you go through it because you want to succeed. The only thing I can think about with football is, and, and I know a lot's been made with 
you know, the Bills. Sean McDermott has been, you know, the Buffalo News. Everybody talked about. Well, let's the let's set the table here, Jim. Let's, that's what I was gonna say. Let's so, tee it up a little bit because I have a little started, So, Jilly uh, underscore Bean may or may not be a subscriber. Jilly, I think I've seen you pop up from time to time. So if you read, go along. Thank you very much. Um, she had a, a, a tweet thread that kind of went viral, a work event, as she described. Sean McDermott spoke at it, and she has to point it good, good for Jilly Bean. I mean, asking the question, uh, she asked about how he can handle a work-life balance and shared his answer on Twitter. I'm pulling it up right now. All right, this is... Uh, Jill Clapp, she says, I hugged Sean McDermott last night. He got emotional over a question I asked in an open Q&A session at a work event. I wanted to share because even though the hug was amazing and unexpected, his answer was even better. My question, quote, you're on the road a lot. A lot of these folks here are on the road a lot. How do you manage your work life? How do you manage your work life balance with your family? Such a great question. I mean, cuts to the soul of America, every every household, right? Everybody goes through. All right, and so she continues his answer, and she puts in parentheses the gist of it because I blacked out from happiness. Um, I'm hugging Sean. And this is her paraphrasing Sean McDermott. If I told you I mastered that, I would be lying to you. It's a struggle every day. I often sleep in the office Monday through Wednesday, watching film and prepping for the week ahead. I have three children, and I want to show them that if you're given this type of opportunity, you have to give it your all. I want them to look at their dad and know he put 110% into make a championship team. And then Jill continued and said that he got emotional, was asked if he needed a hug, and that's when she hugged him. And then uh, shortly after this, the Buffalo News had a very detailed story on Sean McDermott and his work-life balance um, and it was, I think it was Leslie Frazier in the story. <laughs> he noted that Sean McDermott doesn't sleep in the office anymore, that he's kind of turned that corner and is figuring that balance out. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to ignite sleep gate or anything <laughs> like that. But it is a, I think that this opens up a discussion that's worth having, Jim, because Sean McDermott's not alone. I think every head no. coach in the NFL grapples with this dilemma. You know, how, and not just head coach, personnel. You were you were an assistant well, GM, director well, of personnel. Same, yeah. Everybody involved with this sport. No doubt. You know, I get it. Like, there's livelihoods at stake. In a building, there are livelihoods on the line, 100%. And if you haven't read Seth Bickersham's book, It's Better to Be Feared, he hits on this topic hard with the Patriots culture. How much is too much? What is that balance? How do you try to build a championship team while still maintaining your life as a father, as a husband, as a functioning human society? Because it is a game, and the pressure's high. People are fired all the time. Players are cut all the time. How do you sort through that all, Jim? I mean, you you were in this world. You, you worked with the Philadelphia Eagles, with the New Orleans Saints, with the Buffalo Bills, and you're in it right now with the XFL. couple stories, because this goes back for Sean. And Sean started under Andy Reid, right? I did too. We were all there. Andy Reid, John Gruden, 
come from the same tree, right? And I think they're the most famous coaches for saying they were the 4 a.m.ers, right? Get to the, stay in the office, sleep in the office, or get there at four, whatever it is. Okay, fair enough. That's early. This is early 2000s, just to date everybody. Agreed. That's just kind of maybe how things were back then. I was an intern, young scout, starting in the office. I remember getting to work at 7 a.m. when I first started as an intern. And I remember coming out of college, getting to the office at 7. I'm like, man, this is all right. This is early. You know, you're getting up at 6, getting yeah. to the office. I remember <laughs> yeah, right away. Out of college, you're, you're like scheduling your classes. I mean, so you can 7 a.m., right. I remember like first week, I'm getting in at 7. I remember this is, I mean, I won't say his name, but he came up to me and was like, hey, you might want to come in a little earlier. It's like, damn. Who told you that? I don't want to say his name, but okay. he was a good man. I appreciated it. He was just looking out for me and said, yeah, you might want to come in a little earlier. I'm thinking, how much earlier than 7 a.m.? <laughs> okay. Anyway, then I heard Andy Reid was in it for blah, blah, blah. But that's who Sean, Sean was in it for with yeah. Andy. So Sean comes from that tree of early rising. I get it. Here's the question I would have for Andy Reid, Sean McDermott, John Gruden. Once you get Donovan McNabb and you get Josh out, does that help your sleep? Does that make you say, I can go home now? I don't have to stay Great in all point. night. Yeah. I'm just wondering that. I always wonder that. I'd like to know when, when Sean decided he doesn't need to sleep in the office Monday through Wednesday, whatever it is. Getting the quarterback should let you sleep. I think you're okay now, Sean. Because like, <laughs> yeah. guess what? I know your baby is the defense, but guess what? That guy on the offense, you're going to get Well, that you comes got, back to the point. Like, the prism is Josh Allen. So it, This team should be viewed through the lens of I, Josh Allen. Yeah, we always go back to the quarterback on this episode, on the podcast, period. And I really believe that, where if Sean is now talking about he has found work-life balance, I just want to know. But to, I, I do think he's kind of talking on – He's figuring it out, and it's a struggle, and he's trying. I mean, but it's, I'm not saying it's not hard, and everybody has their, you know, everybody, whatever job you're in, you're stressed. But look, I can get past this point, though. <laughs> like, this is an unbelievably detailed coach and coaching staff, and that is what helped drive the Buffalo Bills out of the Rex Ryan no era. Question. Josh Allen. But you know, but it 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 it, t- it did take some of that like attention to detail. But how can you, you know, sacrifice all of that sleep, all of that time, and then you get to the divisional playoff round against the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium, and the game is on the line. You're 13 seconds away from hosting the AFC Championship 100%. game, and the details just detonate. They just blow up to, to smithereens, and. Your kickoff coverage team thinks that you're squibbing it, and you kick it out. And then you line up on defense, and Levi Wallace, we sat down with him. To Levi Wallace's credit, he took more accountability than anybody at one Bills driving and saying, like, hey, I should have looked back at Jordan Poyer and saw where he was. We could have adjusted our coverage, worked off each other. But he was lined up how he was coached to line up. They took timeouts before each play. My point is it just it really boggles the mind that, you know, you put in all this time. All these sleepless nights, you sleep at the office, whatever. Like, and then you get to that moment and you choke. Things don't pan out. That would be concerning. And uh, hey, he's one of the best coaches in the NFL. But for the Buffalo Bills, you're you're going to be judged. What happens 
in January. That's what it's about. No, official. So to his credit, he's talking about trying to find that balance. I think that that is a you want you need to find that balance to get yourself in a position where you're not grinding yourself and grinding your team to this bloody pulp where like everybody's just mentally or physically worn down to an extent where you're in that moment yeah. and you can't execute because that's the you better be ready mentally sharp to execute in that moment in the playoffs and you see it with other teams you mentioned John Gruden I've talked to players who played for John Gruden he he beats the hell out of it well she's past tense right I don't know if John Gruden's gonna be coaching the NFL anytime soon would beat the hell out of his players to the point, like, look at his look at some of those seasons with the Raiders. I mean, they start like gangbusters, and then you hit November, December, and things just start falling apart. There's got to be some type of balance because you brought up a name earlier. I, I don't know if we had hit record yet. Sean McVay. So, Sean McVay and even Kyle Shanahan, throw him in there. They're, they're guys, modern coaches, right? I agree. But Matt LaFleur, there's Matt LaFleur. They do pour those hours in. There's no, and they do, and, and I know Kyle in. Shanahan works his you guys can only hard. Do, you can only so do I don't, so I don't much. know what the balance is. You can only do so much. Come on, I mean, let's face it. Anybody, I don't care what profession you're in, football. I don't care what it is. I don't even talk about football. You can only do, you can only do so much good mental work in a day, right? As a writer, I mean, when do you have to walk away? Yeah, right. You, when do you say, okay, I got to just walk away for a second? Right, like it's true. I can watch. I can keep watching film. Film. I gotta walk away. I, I'm, I'm. I'm. I need a break. Like everybody does it. And it's like I just don't get this. The sleeping in the office thing. I just. I feel like that was. I think it's fun stories. And, <laughs> Plus, why are we even on this blue marble that we call Earth? Right. Like we're here for reasons, and one of the top reasons, family. Right. Well, I think I think when I see a quote that, you know, and I know Sean, I'm not trying to say, but I, when I see a quote that says, I want to show my kids I'm giving 110% to win a championship, that's strange to me. I'm just going to say. Because to me, as a father, you're a father, I just want my kids to know I'm working hard, you know, to provide. But at the end of the day, I'm in this for you. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm in this to to make you know to give you the best opportunity in life and whatever it is. But yeah. to to say I'm in this 110 percent to win a championship. Come on now. I mean, that's we, a we only much. know our own, our own lived experiences, and that's a little. Much. I know. You know, we just we're off of Father's Day. I have the best fucking dad on the planet. My dad is my best friend. There's nobody I want on this planet. I want to make more proud. Like I love him. Talk to him daily. Talk to him same, every same day. Of mine. Every day, Every all day. the time. Every and, day. you know, he had a very successful business. No doubt. Extremely successful business. But there is not one game in the he, history he, of any game I've played ever, in, in any sport, that he ever missed. Ever. In his line of work. And he easily could have skipped out on something at some point. He was always there, always supportive, always loving always there to give tips, advice. I mean, I mean, I would like to view myself as a reflection of my dad. If I'm half of the husband, half of 
anything that my dad is on, no the, then I, I'd be happy with my life. And, that's, and he was there for everything. everything. And I think that's my point to these, you know, to the coaches and the, and the NFL, whatever, whatever profession you're in. But your kids know you're working hard, but it doesn't yeah. mean, you know, you, you, you win a champion. Your kids are going to love you no matter what, if you win a championship or not. It's, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was just winning talking, a championship, right? Won't right. Win your validate love. That's my thing when right. you say that. Like, there was a player, uh, we'll, we'll have a profile on him uh, when training camps open. Miami Dolphins, I was just down in Florida, and he has a daughter. And he said how his daughter, I mean, he, you can tell he loves being a dad, it means so much to him. And he said his, uh, he has, he has his daughter at a young age, and right when he graduated from high school. He says, daughter, like, does not give a shit about football. Like, she does not want to, like, it's too loud. The games are too loud. Like, that's, but I get it. He loves watching shows with her. She's into gymnastics, everything. I know. get it. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's right. I don't know what's wrong. I wish I had the formula. But I think it comes down to how do you prioritize things in life, Right. Like anything. I like that. Prioritize. Yeah. Um, I like that. That's what I'm saying. Like your kids, they know they are your priority. You don't have to win a championship. You don't have to sleep in the office to win a championship to make them love you. Man. All in the name of that championship. That's, all that's a little much. And, you, and that, that's all good. I mean, and I'm going to go right back. To, I still say Josh Allen. Well, on the opposite end of the spectrum, we've talked about it. I can remember seeing Rex Ryan's truck leaving one bill's drive at about 4.45 p.m. And I'm thinking, like, is he is he putting in enough time? Maybe he was. I don't, that's the problem. He was. For, for Rex, he was. But that's the problem. That's why they do feel like they have to sleep over because guys are going to – you're going to get judged if you don't you'll stay. Be judged by it. I heard a story about a co- Jim Levitt. I don't know where he is right now. He used to be the head coach South of South Florida. Florida. He used to be the head yeah. coach of South Florida. We, we'll look it up. I don't know where he is right now. He's been bouncing around the NFL a little bit. But there was a story going around on him when he was the head coach of South Florida that you, as an assistant coach, you wouldn't leave the office. The lights would flicker. And that, mean, that meant you could leave the office. <laughs> that meant he was ready to go. It might be 10 at night, whatever it was. Most recently, SMU defensive coordinator, by the way. Wow. Spent time as the linebackers coach with the 49ers after coach of South Florida from 97 to 09. I just got to. So the lights had to flicker. But that's my point. Like, see what I'm saying? Like, that, that's, that's the stuff that some of these guys go through or do and think that's the way of. But. It's hey, everybody's different. Everybody has a different way of doing things. But man, that's a hard way to operate and live. If you think you have to stay later or all night to prove I am, the, you know, it's a major tenet of the Bill Belichick methodology of building a winner. I mean, if you really study up on Bill Belichick, it is it is that it is staying up late. It is pouring in endless hours upon hours, but. What happened when his assistants went to other teams? Not a hell of a lot. Not much. I mean, Matt Patricia is driving the Detroit Lions into the ground and 
Hey, they beat New England. Great. Now he's, now he's Didn't accomplish run. much. Out, much. Now, out. He's now, now he's gonna call plays for the Patriots. So maybe, hey, maybe things. Maybe that's how you run things, right? I hate that it always comes back to quarterback on this show, but it does. It really does. <laughs> Find the quarterback, and you should sleep well at night. Just, that's that's where I was going with it. Josh Allen has given Russ, Sean watch McDermott. a little Ozark and hit the lights. Sean, Josh Allen has provided Sean McDermott's family more time together. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Which might be true. I think this is a good time. I put out there on a uh, the old tweet machine. Oh, that's good. We go. wanted to take some questions. I like this. So, I like this because we've been getting some good ones. All right. Let's, uh, as always, we want your most ridiculous, asinine, insane questions. Let's start off with my sister-in-law, Victoria. Good to see you, Victoria. She's a true, true. She's a big Bills fan. True fan. She asked, what's your favorite Harry Styles song? I'm going to say none. I've never listened to Harry Styles, and I don't plan to. Bad, bad, bad question for this age group. All right. I don't know. I hate to say this, but I don't know. Don't know much beyond him. Can you give me one? Maybe, I, I know, know he wore one? a dress and a magazine cover shot. That's about all I know about Harry Styles. Are we missing out? Don't know his pronouns. Don't know those. So, All right. Dan Meyer, he asks... Will Rob Gronkowski be on Tampa Bay's active roster by week 11? Also, Dan, big-time listener. Dan is. I remember that. He's Dan. in the local scene when it comes to radio, podcasts, and everybody should give him a follow. At Myers Musings. That's Myers <laughs> with an E. I'm going to say that's the bio week for the Bucks, as he knows. I'm going to say yes, absolutely. I think Rob Gronkowski is not done. I mean, when's the last time that you heard a retirement can Seconds you, later, the agent is putting out to Adam Schefter that he would not. And, and and working on blood and guts. If there's something that you need to know about Rob Gronkowski, it's that since he was a kid in his basement in Amherst, New York, playing knee hockey, mini sticks hockey with his brothers, beating the hell out of each other, he needs to hit. He needs to be hit. I, he always strikes me as a guy that needs to be peeled off of the field he was really good last year. He had like 800 yards, six, seven touchdowns. I just think he doesn't want to do a training camp. He doesn't want to mess around in September. I mean, look at the NFC. The Bucks are going to be in the playoff race. Pop in and around Thanksgiving, it'll be good to go. Agree. No way could I say he's retired. Just I think we just if their season's going well. Yeah. Buffalo wins. Our good buddy Joe. He asks, when Monas was scouting players, did he and other opposing scouts who were at the college game socialize afterwards? And if they did, were people coy about describing what the players they saw or did they even lie to get misinformation out? Great question. I put the love, wrong em- emphasis on the syllable. I got <laughs> I love the question. To answer the best way I could say for the listeners of our pod, Ryan Gudicus and I shared a lot of drinks together, whether it was a pro day, a game, a scouting day, whatever. No secrets were revealed. No tells were told. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was just, hey, man, you're lonely on the road. Let's have a drink. How's your family? How's yours? What are you doing? Whatever it is. Can't believe this. Can't believe what movies you like. Whatever. 
you're just looking to hang out with somebody that's doing the same thing. You're on the same schedule for maybe a week and you do hang out, but no, no, there's no, there's no real talk of, oh man, I love that guy. Oh no, he, you're wrong. He's yeah, nothing like that. It's all, it's all, you know, pretty, pretty standard. That's interesting. I love this question. I like that question a lot because I, I I use Gudicus because he's you know kind of in our you know podcast a lot with Green Bay. But I could tell you a bunch of guys that we all you know would all hang out. Jim Monas may or may not have a role in this book coming out when it comes to Jimmy Graham, and when it comes to Jimmy Graham, the New Orleans Saints, the coach Sean Payton, who drafted Jimmy Graham in that third round, had a relationship with Bill Parcells. He looks at Bill Parcells no as a father figure. Oh, he, that, he talked and, to him. Yeah, and Bill him. Parcells loved Jimmy Graham. No doubt. There were absolutely yeah. conversations no had doubt. between those two. They definitely had talked about him. I would like to know this. I don't know this, but this is the question If I'd love to ask Coach Payton. Did Parcells know Coach Payton was ready to pull the trigger? Right. In the third. Yeah. That would be the question I'd like to know. Because Jimmy believes that the Dolphins with Parcells, the Patriots with Bill Belichick, and the Ravens, the Ozzie Newsom would have all pulled the trigger on him in the fourth. I think that's where everybody saw him. So, yeah. Robbie at Rob Buffalo. He asks, when is your wife giving food tips on the podcast? It's a good question, Rob. Her food tips. Right now. Her food tips are outstanding. I follow, I follow Gina. At, I love food. She is on point. At feed me underscore Buffalo on Instagram. My wife, Gina, she's uh, all over the local food scene. So give her a follow. Get her to Hamburg for the new menu. We do. We got to get her here. Somebody's got to watch the kids, though, while we do this. That's so, you. Gina needs to work. Maybe we bring the kids in, let them sleep in the back corner here somewhere, and we'll be good to go. Sleep in the office? <laughs> it's all coming full You're circle. You're Sean McDermott. It's all coming full I feel circle. So, I feel bad for Gina. She's Dan, the head coach. Dan has another one. If Dwayne The Rock Johnson ends up owning the XFL and the WWE, will Jim Monas consider being a surprise entrant into the 2023 Royal Rumble? I love it. That's a great question. I love it. Hey, anything for a paycheck, let's go. <laughs> you got to be good, though. Like, I know it's fake, but no, you got to. That's not. It's, it takes some athleticism. Fake is the wrong word. I agree with you. I agree with that it's state. It's acting a little bit, acting. right? Right. I don't want to get into it, but yeah. Okay. But you do it. You do it. You know what's funny? So I grew up in Shippensburg, Pennsylvania when I was a kid. Um, and this is back when WWF was traveling to these Division II schools and all this. So my dad was a football coach at Shippensburg. So I'm in fifth grade, whatever. I love pro wrestling. So they would have literally, you know, big events there. It was before, you know, everything was like big TV events. These are your weekly. It was only like Saturdays where it was on national TV. So all the big names were there. I'm talking, this is going back. I'm dating myself again. If you're in your 40s, whatever. Iron <laughs> Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, you know. Jimmy Superfly Snook, all these guys were at Shippensburg. Never right? got into it. Exactly. I was. So I remember, you know, you hear about Nikolai Volkov and, you know, the Russian, and he's this big bad, and, you know, everybody hated him because he was from Russia, whatever. So I remember opening the door to the weight room because we heard they were working out before the event because I was in there, you know, because I could get in. And Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov were in there, and Nikolai Volkov, was, I remember he was doing lap pull downs 
I was in like fifth grade and he just looked back and I opened the door. He's like, he just said it, you know, when you heard him on TV, he had that big Russian accent. When he looked back, he was just like, Hey, can you please close that door? Like it didn't sound foreign to me. You know, it didn't sound like he had an accent. Then I looked up and he's from like Baltimore, Maryland. I was like, all right. Okay. He was from Baltimore, Maryland. I don't know how that just happened. You're like I that just, viral video, the guy in the stands. I just like, still real to me, it just, damn it. I just was like, is he really from? I was confused a little bit. Then that was the day you found out there's no Santa Claus. And Yoda. Oh, all that. It so all it came. Dark, dark day. I, I tell my parents all the time. I had a long list of Star Wars was fake. Pro wrestling was fake. I just I started all you happening. Know, I caught my mom putting money under my pillow when I lost a tooth at a very young age, and I put it all together on the spot. Tooth fairy, Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, boom, done, boom, done, boom. Done. And that was it. Can't happen. That was it. All right, Jimmy Pawlowski. So story about Jimmy at Ellicottville Central High School. When I was in third or fourth grade, I was the water boy for the high school football team. And Jimmy was uh, on the varsity team. So I, gave, I, I, I supplied his H2O. And then one day I was a player myself there at Ellicottville. So we just saw Jimmy down at uh, my sister's gym, Rock City Fitness. Did the Murph Challenge with the vest on, all Man, the push-ups, the running. It was great. New subscriber. So, Jimmy, it's awesome to have you. Thanks so much for subscribing, for reading. Diehard Bills fan. And if anybody out there in West New York is looking for something to do in the fall, go down to Jimmy's place, Pumpkinville. Pumpkinville. Great spot. I'm in. I like this so Get far. some pumpkins. I like bring it. The, bring the family. Get some ciders. Fantastic spot. So, Jimmy has a question. Would you rather have to fight an orangutan with a sword once a year? Or a chicken every time you got into your car. Ooh, I love it. I love it. Oh, I'm definitely chicken every time. You're taking the chicken every time? Oh, I don't think that's even hard. I'm kicking that chicken what? right out. I'm good. That's how I start my day. You get a little stress relief if you had a little anger in you or something going on in your life. You get that, you know that chicken's in your car. And you just but what if you're like groggy? You what know, if what if you slept in the office all day? That orangutan. I'm not messing with I'm all right. I'm not messing with orangutan. Once a year. That's all you gotta worry about. Once a year. I don't feel like doing that though. Once a year. Because that orangutan could get me. I just don't think a chicken can get I me. I still think that we're a f- far superior species to an orangutan. An orangutan. I think we could outwit the orangutan with this sword. This may be a deeper I, I see, conversation. I, see the I don't know. If we're, flailing what if the I told you I don't know if we're far superior? I could be underestimating the orangutan. I'll admit it, but I think that we could take him down once a year easily. I, I would say that's where then it's we peace, differ. Then it's peace all year. I'd say that's where we differ. I, I, I feel like the orangutan would have a. I, I don't know if I could get him every once a year. I the chicken I'm good on. You're I, I worried like, about that orangutan getting you once? Yes. Where the chicken I'm not worried about once a day. You get used to it. Huh. You go to bed at night. Hey, you had a long night. And you're like, damn, this was a fun night. You know, hey, I got to wake up and get that chicken out of my car. But here's, it's that constant stress of the chicken. It could be a very but unrelenting not, chicken. chicken every, every day, Jim. Every day. It's that, like would, a, that would affect your mental health. I feel like the chicken's that like affect a, the mental health. Like a mosquito in your car. Like, man, get out of here. I, I wouldn't underestimate the chicken. You feel like the chicken has more to offer. 
I then think, I'm giving, I think that I'm, the, I'm not giving the chicken. I see the chicken affecting your quality of life. I feel like that orangutan to get you. But I think the orangutan, though, you've got a full year to prepare for the orangutan. So does the orangutan. I, See, I give them credit for, I think they could plan for you for a year. I don't, like, hey, hey, I don't think their brains have developed to that point. I just feel like he'd be like, man, he got me last year. But I know what he did. And I'm going to get him this year. With the chicken, I don't think the chicken's What's like, the lifespan of an orangutan? Let's look it up. All right. So life- you're, 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 you're orangutan once a year. I'm chicken every day. I am. All right, the lifespan of an orangutan, you're right, Jim. I mean, they live to about 35 to 45 years. So they, so would put, they, they may put some thought into some stuff. They could remember. Possibly. Um, but you still have some, some height and some width. Have you seen their length, their arms? Their arm length is like an offensive tackle with their punch with so a you're, sword. So you're okay dealing with that I'm not dealing with an orangutan. You, you got it. I'm going chicken. All right, you know right. what? We're gonna have to put this out for a poll. Done. I think at some point, Jimmy. Great question. That yeah, was that's, 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 that's really the best because we differed on that. Um. All right. What else we have here? Brian. Brian Moritz, my good buddy. Worked together only in time zero. For those who don't know, follow him at B Moritz. Teaches journalism right now at St. Bonaventure Gym. All right. He asks, "What is the best month?" I like it. Simple, straightforward. What's the best month, best month of the season? I have two, so I have to pick one. May. May? May in Charleston, South Carolina. Ooh. Go ahead. I had to pick one. That's my one. You know, I... May in Charleston, South Carolina. I'm going to say... Uh, so I'm giving a little bit of a... I hear you. May in Buffalo, I don't know if I can say that. This might be blasphemy, but I'm going to go December here still, just because I'm a sucker for holidays. Christmas, you know. Fair, man. It's fair. You gave up being around family, being around friends. It's uh, it's hard to beat December. All right. Jason Brown, another great subscriber. Thank you, Jason, very, very much. The player you would most enjoy spending a weekend on vacation with, not because they were a great player, or to hear the old stories, just to know it'd be a blast. Love that question. Love it, love it. Because I, I have a, I have a lot of names going through my head. So off the top of my head, is this somebody we need to know? Or are we guessing? I think you can guess. Who would you want to spend? Was it a weekend? I mean, I'm going Jeremy Shockey. After our, uh, Oof, are you ready for that? Bring it on. You're ready for that. My only regret is that we didn't take it further for the book. If we're, going, if we're going that route. We hung out going, in Miami Beach. I wish we would have gone to Key This West. is fair, then. This helps me answer this question. Dennis Rodman in Vegas. Sign me up. Hmm. Ooh. Dennis Rodman, Vegas. Me and Dennis. You might not live. You might not. You're scared of the orangutan, but you want to hang out with Dennis Rodman? Oh, my God. In Vegas. I mean, that's the question. Would you... Would you survive a weekend in Vegas with Dennis Rodman or Dennis, a sword fight with an orangutan? Dennis would have to raise his game to survive me in Vegas. <laughs> oh, 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 all right. The, the 
gone. That's been dropped. No, but I, Dennis and Shockey. That's where I I love it. So I see where we're both at. <laughs> yeah, we didn't pick Russell Wilson. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Russell wasn't on my list. <laughs> Drew Brees wasn't on my list. No, either. no. All right, Chad Sealine. He asks, in today's world, is there any excuse for a balding man to wear a toupee versus just shaving their head and growing a badass beard? Know where we stand in this issue, Chad? We all know. If you if you're going to pay, if you're trying to fake it, you might as well just call it quits on life. Bad look, bad look. Embrace it. Embrace the baldness. Give up, and you you shall be freed. There was a time. God, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But I do see old pictures of me. You know when I we were all there when I was scouting with Philly. I was like, damn. I thought I was okay. I, I was. I was. I should have done it. Even I was. I thought I did it at the right time. I think I let go in like 2008. I should have done it probably like 2003. I think I was probably a five year hang on. I started losing mine around 18, 19 years old, and I hung on as I've, we've talked about. Terrence Newman knocked sense into me around age 30. It happens. Told all, me to shave my head. It takes that one person. It to does. Say, do it. it took a cornerback for the Minnesota Vikings to convince me to uh, get it done. I had some good people tell me to. I just shaved it to. You know, and I will when say you this, get that though, clean shaved head, this. it feels good. Whoever does tell you to let it go, that's somebody that likes you. It is. Don't take that. Don't take offense to that. Respect them. That's a good friend. So Terrence Newman's a good friend of yours. But I still love that Seinfeld with George Costanza. He's talking about the, the, the last the, the, remains the, the of a great cream. society. Yes. 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 All right, that's going to do it for this episode. It. That was fun, Jim. That was good. It was a lot of fun. We got orangutans, chickens. Orangutans, sleeping in the office. Quarterbacks, quarterbacks will save you sleep. Everybody out there, if you enjoy the show, please give us a five-star rating. That's how we get this thing to grow. Share with a friend. Subscribe to GoLongTD.com. Let's keep this going. We've got some huge plans it's coming. for 2022. we got to wait for the fall. Yeah. This, the big stuff's coming Football's right around coming. the corner. Football, it, let's keep it, keep it, yeah, keep focused. And then we want to have a bash here. Uh, it has to happen. You know, I texted Johnny um, to bring it full circle. I texted him, hey, you know what? Do you want to you know, start planning a, an extravaganza bash in Hamburg for go long? And then hit me, hit me after the fact that he's in Fiji. He's, he's not worried about this right now. He's we'll hear from him he's game, week opening day of, <laughs> yeah. of the season. He'll be recovering. He's ready. Thanks, everyone.